Honors, and may it please the Court. Counsel. Jeff Johnson for uh, Ms. Francis and Mr. Lee, uh, appellants. Uh, the district court must be reversed because <clears throat> a prison is not required to provide uh, free toothpaste to its inmates, no matter the circumstances. Uh, that is not the law in the circuit. You're going to have to speak more clearly. I'm yes, sir. Uh, that is not the law in the circuit. <clears throat> and, uh, and that's evidenced by the fact that plaintiff has provided no precedent so holding. I can't follow you. It's too fast and you're talking down. It's my age, but you're going to have to get closer to the mic and look up. Yes, Your Honor. And speak more slowly. <laughs> or you might, we might, I well, just so. might as well not be here. I said the, the district court must be reversed because uh, uh, prisons are not required to provide free toothpaste to uh, its inmates no matter the circumstances. That is not the law in this circuit, uh, as evidenced by plaintiff failing to point to any precedent that so holds. <coughs> the uh, uh, three errors contributed to the district court's denial of qualified immunity in this case. First, uh, the district court uh, defined the right at too high a level of generality that is expressly forbidden by cases such as uh, Ashcock v. Al-Kid and many others within this court. <clears throat> Mr. Johnson, do you see this as a serious medical needs case or as a general conditions of confinement case? I see this more as a uh, serious medical needs case, uh, especially after the uh, the rest of the claims have all fallen off of the complaint uh, because uh, the district court granted uh, summary judgment to, uh, to all the other defendants and for Ms. Francis and Mr. Lee on all other accounts except as to this toothpaste denial claim. Well, if it's a serious medical needs case, I think you, you win rather easily. But it seems to me that we also have to address whether it's a general conditions of confinement case. Uh, the state has conceded on page 11 of the brief that toothpaste is surely an essential hygiene item. And, of course, this court has held that uh, if you deprive an inmate of a minimal civilized measures of life's necessities, you can have an Eighth Amendment claim. And it just seems to me it maybe fits better under a general conditions of confinement uh, I would ask the court to look to uh, its other cases involving uh, sort of general conditions of confinement. I think Howard v. Atkinson is a, is a, is a better case for that, where you have uh, extreme conditions uh, where the, the mattress is moldy and filthy and uh, you can't, the inmate can't get clean. Uh, those are sort of more uh, more connected to the conditions of confinement claims uh, because it has to do with sort of the physical conditions of the prison versus uh, this I think fits more into the uh, into into the framework of you know he complained he complained of what was that things. case you just cited I, I think it's Howard B Atkinson what I think is it? the lower Howard B Atkinson I believe Howard, it's Howard okay I think the lower court cited it uh, several times in the uh, in the opinion uh, and that is sort of in uh, it just sort of doesn't apply to this particular case, which is about whether or not <clears throat> under the prison's uh, uh, policy IS 8-6.1, uh, whether or not the prisoner qualified as being indigent uh, due to the fact that uh, in the words of many federal courts uh, <clears throat> and his own mother, uh, that the plaintiff had uh, filed frivolous legal cases, uh, which is, and he has therefore put himself in debt and spent money uh, that is given to the inmate each month uh, to help him pay for these items. So, so as I understand the policy, the state's not denying toothpaste uh, to the plaintiff. They're just saying that we're going to give you an allowance and you need to use that allowance to buy personal hygiene items. 
What if the situation, what if the policy was different and just said we don't provide soap or toothpaste at all? Would that be a, an Eighth Amendment claim? Could, could that be an Eighth Amendment claim? Potentially. Uh, I, you know, I think uh, maybe I think the issue there would have to be uh, that might fall under, under the conditions of confinement, uh, but I think it would be much more to establish that for, an, for, an eighth, eighth, for the Eighth Amendment claim in that, in that sense, because the conditions of confinement still have to be cruel and unusual, right? So, so doesn't this really come down to whether or not uh, there is sufficient allowance given to an inmate to both purchase basic hygiene items that would meet the minimal conditions of life's necessities, and at the same time, satisfy their constitutional right to access to the courts? Uh, no, I don't think so, in part because uh, plaintiff, as master of his complaint, has not pled that he is unable to access the courts. In fact, right. uh, it's actually the exact opposite of what the factual record says, is that he's accessed the courts probably too much. Uh, and the uh, specifically, the uh, IS 8-6.1, the prison policy, <coughs> uh, what we're sort of litigating over is actually the exception Right. So he's never pled that it's unconstitutional, the policy itself. As far as I can tell, no. Uh, he's never directly challenged the policy, but what is shown at Appendix 56 and 58 uh, is that all throughout the, the, grievance, pro uh, the grievance process, uh, the, the prison officials have been very clear that <clears throat> it's that he doesn't qualify uh, for the exception for free toothpaste in addition to his leisure time pay. Uh, and that's what, so it's not only that it's not only that the prison provides leisure time pay, right, so that he can file and, make, and avail himself of the courts. Uh, it's that he wants that, plus he also wants, um, you know, to be able to have free toothpaste when he files frivolous claims. And what the, the policy says is the policy, policy doesn't allow that, and that's found at Appendix 70, for your honors. <laughs> it allows for... for well, you know, it's, fair, it, it's rather hard to take conditions of confinement precedence and translate or transfer them to this mixed pay, this idle pay policy. And what occurs to me as, as uh, ironic and, and uh, mystifying here is that the Myers, Myers case cited by the district court involved the same sort of, uh, of uh, pay allowance. And in Myers, the inmate to his or her credit, spent the money on health care instead of suing. And the inmate lost because it couldn't, it couldn't, the suing part is, is access to the courts, and it could, the plaintiff couldn't establish a, a deprivation of access. So now Mr. Thomas L., he's more clever, he's a more clever bird. He spends all his money on the courts, and then he comes in and says, I have to have my toothpaste. How does how do the cases how how should how should the cases be analyzed to produce a sensible coherent result? <clears throat> well, I think that how, the how much if he has a if 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 the inmate who chooses lawsuits rather than health, counting on the government to keep him from killing himself, does, what what does he have to show comparable to what the Myers? Well, just look at the show on an access to the courts claim. Just 
like to have a couple of responses for you. So first, I would note for under this court's precedent, the earliest uh, precedent uh, controls, right? So uh, what we have here is we have Blaze v. Fenn, right? Where the court Blaze v. Fenn, B-L-A-I-S-E, v. Fenn, F-E-N-N, which was about the Iowa um, prison system that implemented sort of exactly this kind of system, right? Where you allow... Are we talking about something that's cited in the brief? Uh, yes, several times, Your Honor. But I can't, I can't hear the first, understand the first name. I apologize. So Blaze. I can't find it. It's Blaze B L A. Blaze V. Yes, Blaze V. Fenn. And that's where this court essentially approved uh, where prisons can provide uh, idle time pay for prisoners each month as an allowance for them to, uh, uh, you know, to purchase hygiene items okay. and to do other things like that. So we start with the, we start with the premise in place that this is constitutional, that this system works like this way. We then go to Myers v. Hundley, <coughs> which... But, now, but, but, you know, okay, that's... So the system is not unconstitutional, not facially unconstitutional. But this particular prison decides, well... Uh, it, it might be reasonable to spend twenty dollars a month on on uh, on uh, hygiene and fifty dollars a month on your legal your legal pursuits, but we're not going to give them seventy dollars a month. We're going to give them thirty dollars a month and let the let the inmates sort it out. Well, I think now, how do how do we review that decision? Well, I think the difference. I bet you, not, I bet you don't. None of the cases involve that, except maybe Myers. I think the difference between Myers and the present case is that Myers was saying that the total sum of the allowance given each month was insufficient in total, right? Yeah. That was the allegation. He said, you're not giving me a month, you're not giving me enough uh, money each month to buy hygiene items, and you're not buying for enough for necessary legal expenses, right? And that's what the Myers court held. Myers court held said that you had to provide enough money for necessary legal expenses. So this policy by the Missouri Department of Corrections says that. <clears throat> so how do we review enough? Is enough if is enough a federal constitutional requirement? And if so, what's the standard? Well, I think that goes actually, you know, to the point to the second part of the qualified immunity problem, which is the clearly established, right? Which is, do we know? If, uh, is there a case that says that this isn't that? X number of dollars is not, a, not enough in this time period, right, as of the date of the violation. But importantly here, what we have is we have an undisputed record of the plaintiff filing frivolous legal claims, and the court's rejecting them. And that is what's causing the deficiency in his, uh, in his account. So we don't even have to go off of what the prison says is, uh, is frivolous. We can go off of what the district courts have said. Well, if we're looking at, at what other people have done in the past that's frivolous, what about the fact that there seems to be an emerging trend among the Eastern District of Missouri district courts saying there's a toothpaste problem in the Missouri court, in the Missouri prison system. There's cases from 2014, 2013, 2019, 2020, and now Judge Limbaugh's case here. I mean, there seems to be a bunch of cases piling up here that, hey, there's a toothpaste problem. And prudentially, wouldn't somebody at some point say maybe we ought to address that. Judge Erickson, uh, 
to your critique, what I would say is that there certainly are a lot of frequent filers in the, from the prison system that are they're making these claims. Yeah, but there have been cases where where they've said that that's a problem. There's been three or four cases where the district court said there's a problem, right? They have, they have certainly uh, they have certainly yeah, held that way. It's an easy remedy to the frivolous filer. Just separate the two and give a reasonable amount for hygiene. And if the if he want if he wants face cream instead of toothpaste, you know that's a different issue. And then for the and then do have a separate approach to the access to the courts problem because there is a there you can't deny you can't deprive someone of reasonable access. But you can say we're not we're not going to give you we're not going to give you postage for your twelfth frivolous filing. So and then, and then defend that and and, and we then we have a a discrete constitutional issue to analyze. Well, I think the uh, I think the solution here uh, is that uh, is that we go down the line that for what the court's precedents say for access to the courts, which is for necessary legal filings, which is what the Missouri Department of Corrections exception uh, allows for. So if he had necessary legal filings, he would qualify as indigent if it was below. We aren't, we aren't, we aren't, uh, we aren't driven by the, what the Department of Corrections thinks the right answer is. Well, Your Honor, respectfully, this isn't actually the judgment of the Department of Corrections alone. It's also the, the, uh, the judgment of multiple Article III judges who have said that these cases are frivolous, well, of course, including the plaintiff's them, admission. We see them all Your Honor, the time. Including, including Wait, we, we, we see frivolous filing claims all the time, and the, the prisons in the Eighth Circuit at least don't do too badly in, in dealing with that. Um, in not handing out all the postage and and uh, time and so forth that's required, but that doesn't mean you can say because this guy's a frivolous filer he doesn't get any he doesn't get any health uh, hygiene money. It's not that he has his hygiene money, but it goes to the factors in Blaise v. Finn, which is. Uh, the the system of providing for idle pay is to is for the penological interests of the prison to help them budget uh, to help rehabilitate uh, prisoners in this process and to help with inmate you know, discipline. We're, we're not we're not in, in, in we're not I have, we have no responsibility as to what's a sensible prison policy. We we have to deal with claims that a particular prison policy violates constitutional rights, and that's all we care about. They can have they can have all the policy they want uh, until uh, until an inmate says, "Wait a minute." Yes, Your Honor, and I would note that the defendant himself has admitted uh, in his deposition that he has done this to himself by filing frivolous legal legal cases. I think it's quoted as uh, his habeas, his frivolous habeas in his 1983s. I believe are the defendant's words. Uh, I see. I'm basically out of time for Your Honor. I would just note. That we should go to the clearly established prong, uh, so that there is no case, and they have failed to cite any case uh, going toward this. <clears throat> and that when asked for that, uh, the only response that they have is the Scott versus Carpenter case, which is clearly an opposite for the reasons stated in the brief. Uh, I'd ask the court to reverse, uh, and if possible, a moment or two on her rebuttal. Good morning, Your Honor, so may it please the court. 
My name is Tori Bernson, and I represent the appellee, Mr. Thomas L., in this case. Appellant's position inherently asks this court to condone the prison's determination that appellant... Well, let me, I want to get to the Myers distinction that I raised. Yes, Your what, what, what does your What has your client done here that is, that is uh, sufficient, that, that is comparable to the requirement in Myers that the inmate who spends it on... Uh, who, do, who doesn't choose to spend it on legal fees has to show a deprivation. Now, here we have, we have, your client chooses to, to bring lawsuits and, and trust the world to keep him healthy. Uh, hmm. what, what, what should he have to show? And, and maybe, maybe this is, maybe we're at too early a stage for that. Well, to try to answer the court's question um, now, um, Myers um, basically said, as, as the court, as your honor said, that, you know, you used up all your money on your health, so, you know, we have to look at your access to the courts, your right to the access to the courts. And you kind of misused your money, and so we're going to say that that's okay because you had it, and you could have used it more wisely. I think in this case, before we get to before we get too far into that, we need to um, focus or at least address the fact that we're here today on an appeal by the appellants. Um, Mr. Thomas L. has, at least in this case, filed what would be considered non-frivolous litigation. Um, the frivolous litigation in this case seems to be allegation. And notation, not just allegation, because he has been found to be. An, I thought you're an appellee. I am the appellee. Well, why are you talking about we're here as an appellant? They're here as an appellant. Oh, okay. So, sorry, Your Honor, they're here as an appellant, and Mr. Mr. Thomas L. is being accused of being a frivolous filer, wherein they have appealed Judge Limbaugh's decision um, that that Mr. Thomas L. was not being they, a frivolous they, filer they, in that they case. Put it, they put it, I think, quite properly in terms of clearly established problems. What is there? What is there that shows that that says that in in these conditions of confinement cases, very few of them being a circuit precedent, huh. uh, that that says this kind of an idle idle pay, whatever you want to call this joint use program? I, I don't think there. I don't think there is anything directly on point. I think the Blaze v. Fenn case addresses it, um, as my as my opposing counsel said. I think, though, in this case, what we have to remember but, is that... Of course, Blaze is, is basically pre-clearly established jurisprudence. Yes, Your Honor. And I think Judge Limbaugh, in this case, when he was determining whether there was clearly established uh, precedent here, he said very clearly that he reviewed the case law that was available, the precedent. He used his common sense, and he exercised his discretion based on the facts and law before him. Judge Limbaugh found that SOAP in this case, was not a basic hygiene item, and that Appley was able to obtain soap under certain conditions. He said, no go. That's not an Eighth Amendment claim. But let's talk about this toothpaste, all right? Judge Limbaugh, in his discretion, distinguished the two, uh, and, and deodorant, but for the purposes of... But on, only, only in a, what, a serious medical needs analysis that I think is, is quite persuasive or logical. He, he only did that. He has, to, he has to jump the analysis to serious medical needs, which is the 
the health impact of long-term deprivation of toothpaste, mm -hmm. as to which you had some experts who uh, I'm sure are, well, they're, they're expert and the, the opinions sound logical. Yes, Your Honor, and in this case, appellant, appellee was pro se until I was, until counsel was appointed after uh, summary judgment uh, decisions by the district court. Um, so I was appointed pursuant to the CJA uh, Act um, on the 1983. I understand that. So there's no, no discovery was done whatsoever. I mean, minimal discovery was done with, without any counsel in this case. So in determining what Judge, the record before Judge Limbaugh, he determined that um, there needed to be essentially meaningful external checks um, and that the toothpaste was so basic an item that inmates are entitled to it, whatever the prison policy may be with regards to indigency and that such is a denial to a constitutional violation. I agree with Your Honor, there's not a, there's not a ton of cases on point. In fact, I haven't found any cases directly on point. However, I would submit to this court that that is because this issue doesn't come up under these circumstances um, wherein the prison has denied or refused, or sorry, did not provide toothpaste to the appellee, to the inmate, um, because they said he should have used his money that he got from the allowance system. Council wants to note that there was never, and this is agreed to by the parties, more than $2.20 in Thomas L's inmate commissary account. Um, he is not uh, someone who we're talking about having $50 for something and $20 for another something. This is a case where we're talking about cents and dollars. Um, and instead of foregoing access to the court, he will rent care for his teeth. Council does not submit that everyone in prison is mentally ill or makes the best choices. But, a penal, but a, penal, a penal policy or a jail policy to teach inmates how to use money um, properly and to avoid you know, expending unnecessary resources does violate the Eighth Amendment under these circumstances at least because Mr. Thomas L. spent his money on access to the court and the prison decided that that wasn't okay. And because of that, they weren't going to provide him with toothpaste because he should have, excuse me, Your Honor, sorry, because he, sh because he should have used that on his toothpaste first. Counsel, if he had you have to either allege that the policy is unconstitutional or that the allowance to inmates was insufficient to pay for both hygiene items and constitutionally protected court access. Counsel would submit that the, the record in this case um, is sufficient for that based on the pro se status of Mr. Thomas L. and the court's finding in terms of, um, in terms of. Was, as I understood the pleadings, he's just saying I'm entitled to toothpaste regardless of how well, I spend my money. And that is, in fact, what Judge, Judge Limbaugh effectively found. I'm entitled to toothpaste regardless of how I spend my money. And that is, there's no meaningful check here on the prison's conduct. Because we're able to say those things, no one ever gets to look at, well, how is the prison, well, we're looking at it now, but how is the prison determining whether that allowance is sufficient, whether it's reasonable, whether it's being used on postage, whether the postage has changed, whether, I mean, there's a number of things that go into, go into the, right. the, that, the... That could be alleged, but I don't know that he's alleged that the 
and prison do, system unreasonably decides what's necessary litigation and what isn't necessary? I think it was, I think it was implied. Um, are, are you arguing essentially that this is a pro se complaint, that it's pled sufficiently, that one treats it as one would treat a pro se complaint, drawing from it in reasonable inferences and, and some understanding what a counseled plea would look like and that whatever it is, it meets the bare bones that's necessary, which is essentially what, you, what Judge, Judge Limbaugh did. And I, and I can buy that. Is that your argument? Yeah, sure. Now, then you move beyond that, and, and I, I hate to keep coming back to this, but if we talk about the clearly established established prong because that is in fact what the state of Missouri, you know, they haven't really stood up here and claimed the pleadings are inadequate. They haven't stood up here and said, by the way, there's no possible constitutional violation. What they've said is that it's asserted at too high a level of generality, that Judge Limbaugh decided it at too high a level of generality. And by the way, if you get to clearly established, have you looked at what Judge Limbaugh said was clearly established? Well, he uh, cites to uh, uh, a, uh, uh, a couple of, uh, of district court cases. Uh, he cites to an unpublished Eighth Circuit case, which of course has no precedential authority. Uh, he has a, uh, a, a nice quote that he pulls out of Jell's, uh, uh, Jones Elvers versus Goddard from 2019 uh, that basically says exactly what he'd like to have be the clearly established law of the circuit, but it is a district court opinion. And and uh, then he cites to a 1986 Fifth Circuit case. And you know, he says all of that leads us to find that it's clearly established. And the question I've got is that, is that consistent with our general uh, interpretation of what we consider for clearly established, bearing in mind that the Supreme Court seems to tell us that they think you need a Supreme Court opinion to tell you that something's clearly established? Um, initially, uh, as an initial response, Your Honor, um, we don't have an Eighth Circuit opinion, and we don't have a Supreme Court opinion, but that doesn't mean we could. Um, and I understand that moving forward, that would be looked at for clearly established law. So I, I do want to state that that is something we don't have, but that is essentially something that had Mr. Thomas L. not been able to bring this litigation, we wouldn't be reaching even this issue which mm -hmm. goes to his access to the courts. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. addressing your question more specifically, the state, or the appellee has, the appellant, excuse me, the appellant has conceded that toothpaste is a necessary hygiene item. There is no dispute, any, that counsel has been able to find, that the Eighth Amendment ob um, obliges correctional officers, uh, I'm sorry, that the, it, there is no dispute that the Eighth Amendment requires correctional officers to provide for prisoners basic needs. The state is duty-bound to provide people in custody with the minimalized, civilized, minimal civilized measure of life's necessities. Mm -hmm. In this case, as the app appellant has stated, both parties are in agreement that toothpaste is a necessary hygiene item. So their claim that that's at too level, uh, too high a level of generality at this point, they've actually conceded when they said that it's constitutionally required. Yes, Your Honor. In fact, the claim is so, so as Judge Limbaugh said, um, based on other things, but in addition to common sense, looking at the law in front of us, that absolutely the state should have known that by denying a basic hygiene product or a need to, to take care of basic hygiene need, that they were 
violating a clearly established law that the Eighth Amendment requires them to provide that, or it is an infliction of cruel and unusual punishment under our Constitution. And so bearing in mind that we're stepping back from the specific toothpaste inmate situation, we are looking at that it's a basic hygiene item that's needed. Not like soap in this case, but like toothpaste. And the apple. You don't want to say soap because the judge said that just smelling bad because you don't have deodorant soap doesn't count. Correct. Right. Judge Lamont made a decision there. I mean, I think he made an important distinction that this is a basic hygiene need that is necessary. It is not something like slippers or hair gel or face cream. I think we mentioned face cream. It is toothpaste. And being deprived of that for four or five months, depending on the math you do or the briefs that you follow, is a constitutional violation. Is he really being deprived, or is it just because he chose to spend his money on frivolous litigation? Again, Your Honor, um, I think that... Uh, well, I agree that if he's being deprived of toothpaste, that you probably have a clearly established constitutional right. The policy um, that the prison has would be unconstitutional because it is depriving him of a basic hygiene need or access to the courts or we don't know, which is leaving him in prison. The effect of that is leaving him in prison and hoping the prison do what they're supposed to do. And but, we're here but today but to ask the access court. to the courts. He has to prove more than just I don't have enough money to to, to pursue all the cases I want to pursue. Yes, Your Honor. In fact, and that, that is, I guess, when we come back down to the Myers case, is he, he went this other way, right? The other, he, he, did the, he, went, he got his access to the courts but didn't get his toothpaste. And I think that the fact that we're up here talking well, I, about... I think Thomas L. just shows, while he, he's a frequent filer, filer, he's also a very clever filer. He decided, well, I, I can't show any, any deprivation of, of anything, so I'll just spend the money on the lawsuits and make the prison give me the toothpaste and hopefully the soap. I mean, again, Your Honor, that's, that, that would be an inference you'd be drawing from the record. I don't yeah, know right. Mr. But Thomas think, L. I've never met him in person. Well, but I think it's, no, but it's, but it's, it's relevant to the clearly established analysis. Oh. Yes, Your Honor, and that goes back to the policy of the prison. And like Judge Limbaugh said, whatever the policy, you're entitled to toothpaste. And in this case, specifically, I think it goes to show that even though he may have been a frivolous filer, that's a red herring in this case. This case was not frivolous, and he's bringing this you know, case. There are also there are also times when soap is is as has a lack of soap would have the same kind of adverse health impact on your health as the lack of toothpaste can long long term. Well, I think in this I don't case, know, I, I don't understand how you sort out one from the other. Well, I think in this case specifically, it was a fact sensitive analysis because uh, he was actually able to get a little bit of soap um, on a weekly basis, just not not as much as he would have liked, and, like, maybe there was, like, some borrowing of the soap. But there's, there's additional information as to why he wasn't actually deprived of soap. The toothpaste was, non, um, was, a, non-star- was, a, was, was is a non-starter in terms of that because he actually had to get care from the Department of Corrections to remedy what went on in his mouth because he wasn't provided with toothpaste. Um, so that, that is, and that is also undisputed. Um, so I think you know, I'm, I'm out of time, so I apologize. No, Thank you. No, you're responding to questions. That you can certainly finish your response. Um, it, the issue here is is that it, I, I think the um, clearly established uh, prong that we've been talking about, I think, is found in the Eighth Amendment and is found in the duty of the state to provide basic hygiene items to the inmate. 
I think if the conversation is about what is a reasonable allowance, how that allowance should be spent, whether the prison is allowed to dictate what's frivolous and what's not as it's going on, because I don't know how the prison would be able to say, well, yeah, that postage is necessary on that case. That's quite the power to give to a prison official or an authority to say, to flag in their computer, no more for you, we've decided that postage didn't, didn't, wasn't worth it. Um, and I think that that is where we leave Mr. Thomas L. Clever, as he may or may not be, is, well, I did this. They said, I guess it was frivolous. We don't know why, but at the end of the day, he still didn't get his toothpaste. And that is, in fact, not disputed well, you, at all. You, you, you phrase the issue differently than I would. I would, I would say that a, a, a prison can sensibly say, we have, the, we have had experts testify how much is reasonably should reasonably be made available for hygiene. And we've concluded it's this much. Now we could give you this much and stuff in terms of soap and blah 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 blah. But we're here. To, we're here to help you rehabilitate to be a to be a self-serving member of society. And we're going to let you make that decision. You get this much money, which we our experts have determined is reasonable in total, and it's your decision. And I I don't think that's that would not I, I don't think that's what happened here. But I don't think that would be bad prison policy or unconstitutional. No, that would be grounded in reason and, 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 and facts that we don't have here in this case. Right. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you, Your Honors. Is there a rebuttal time? His time had expired, Your Honor. I, I think we understand the, the case, and it's been uh, uh, helpfully argued and, well, thoroughly briefed. We'll take it under advisement.